When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 401 of Sustainable Minimalist. This is a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, we are reclaiming our weekends. Yes, we are. Life is for the living, or so they say. And so I welcome you to Experiences Week on the podcast. Both Tuesdays and Thursdays episodes are around the same theme of getting the most out of life, of living, of experiencing life's joys. Today, on today's episode, we are looking short-term. We're only looking towards the upcoming weekend. (laughs) And then on Thursday's episode, we are expanding our lens, so to speak. We're looking longer term. We're discussing how to create a life, a life, not just a weekend, an entire life that's full of experiential wealth. So back to today's conversation. Let's just lay out the average family's weekend, shall we? For many of us, the weekend is crazy pants, frenetic. Those of us with children, holy moly. If you are in the majority, your weekends are busy and draining and filled with errands, filled with buying stuff, catching up on housework. If you have children, you are likely carting them to the sports games and the practices. So many games and practices, are there not? Perhaps come Sunday evening, you have a sense of regret that the weekend wasn't all that freeing, all that rejuvenating as you needed it to be. And so that begs the big fat question that we're seeking to answer today, and that is, where is the time for rest and rejuvenation and real living during weekends that are overpacked with obligations? Capitalism has indeed created a society in which we feel the need to justify rest. That in turn means that many of us simply aren't getting enough of that rejuvenation on the weekends. Weekends should not feel like any other day. Weekends should be an off switch in which you shut off the need to work, the need to be productive, the need to catch up, etc., and switch on getting in touch with who you really are. So on today's show, we are hereby taking back our weekends, and we're doing that in a two-part show. In part one, we're defining the seven types of rest, and yes, there are seven. It's not just about a good night's sleep. And then in part two of today's show, we're laying out a roadmap for a better weekend. So let's do a little check-in, shall we? How well-rested do you feel 
right now as you're listening to my scratchy voice because I have a cold. How well rested do you feel at this moment in time? No wrong answer. It's just a check in. We tend to equate productivity with success, don't we? To be busy is almost a status symbol. To be busy says something implicit about our worth, how in demand we are, how worthy we are. Trisha Hershey, she is the Nat Bishop, by the way, she argues that far too many of us have been brainwashed by capitalism, and so we subject our bodies and our minds to work at an unrealistic, damaging, and machine-level pace, which in turn feeds the capitalist engine. Powerful stuff, yeah? If you don't want to feed the capitalist engine anymore, or maybe that's just too lofty of a goal, let's be real, that's significant. Maybe you just want to have your weekends back. If you want either or both of those things, you first need to identify what type of rest you truly need. When we're tired, it's natural for most of us to assume we didn't get enough sleep, right? We didn't get a great night of sleep. We equate sleep and rest as being the same thing, but they're not. Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, she noticed that many of her patients came to her with chronic rest deficits. Heck, she herself experienced severe burnout due to her own chronic rest deficit. So Dr. Dalton-Smith, she developed the concept of seven rests our bodies and minds need because she believes, and I quote, that rest is the most underused, chemical-free, safe, and effective alternative therapy that's available to us, end quote. So let's go through the seven types of rest real quick, and I'll likely be spending more time on some of them than others, but the key here is that getting a good night's sleep does not cover the full picture. I'm suggesting, by going through these seven types, that you go out and do something epic with your weekends, because that too, living fully, that's a form of rest. So here we go. Let's start up with the obvious one. It's, of course, physical rest, right? We need physical rest as human beings. That is the sleep, the relaxation, the nap. That's physical rest. But there's also active rest, active physical rest. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Well, it's not. Active physical rest is when you lightly move your body, yoga, stretching, getting a massage, moving your body lightly in a way that improves your internal body flow. So that's physical rest. It's the nap. It's the good night's sleep. It's also light movement. So ask yourself, how's your physical rest going? Are you getting enough of it? Type of rest number two is the mental rest. You likely know when you need mental rest, right? For me, it feels as though my brain has gone numb. My literal brain feels like it's floating in a fog, That's my body's cue to me to rest, to step away from the computer, to go do something different. Mental rest is when you intentionally quiet your brain. Dr. Dalton Smith suggests short breaks throughout the workday, perhaps journaling at bedtime. 
for me, running is a form of mental rest. So my body is definitely not resting when I'm exercising. My body is working hard, but my mind is focused on just my breathing, just my cadence, just the sound of my feet hitting the road or the treadmill or whatever. So running is one of my go-to forms of mental rest. So is meditation. Shutting off the ruminating thoughts, the hamster wheel of thoughts and worries and anxieties that my brain's going through, when I'm shutting off the over-processing of all the things, that is mental rest, and it is a form of rest that we all need on the weekends and every single day. So how is your mental rest game going? <laughs> Let's move on to sensory rest. Okay. If you have young children... If you consider yourself a minimalist, you need sensory rest. We live in a world of constant stimulation, don't we? Screens, conversations, lights, music, pets, children. I could go on and on. Loud noises. Gosh, right now as I'm recording this, it's Saturday morning and the yard people are already out working, the leaf blowers, all of that. That is sensory stimulation. So we all live in a world with sensory stimulation, but most of us aren't aware of how our sensory inputs are affecting us. I will never forget when my first daughter was born. I was always on edge. Heck, I'm still always on edge, but it was worse when she was younger. (laughs) It took me so many months. It maybe even took me a year or two to realize that a big source of my irritability was the incessant noise. Kids make a lot of noise. And I'm not just talking about the crying. I'm talking about the squeals of delight. I'm talking about the banging of pots and pans. I'm talking about just all the noises that go into parenting a young child. Kids are loud and the noise affected me deeply. Now that I know that about myself, first of all, my children have not quieted down. They're still fairly loud. Children are loud. But I now know about myself that auditory overstimulation is a trigger for me. And so if my children are being loud, I know enough now to go somewhere else and shut the door or otherwise plan for loudness, right? I did not know this about myself for a long time, but I know it now. And so I can correct for it, so to speak. Another form of sensory stimulation that perhaps many of you experience is the visual stimulation. Visual clutter for many of us can contribute to sensory overload. And this is precisely why us minimalists say that having less stuff is a form of self-care. It's also a form of rest because we're preemptively putting away the stuff that's going to contribute to our sensory overstimulation. Now, Dr. Dalton Smith, she discusses the concept of intentional moments of sensory deprivation to help recharge ourselves from being overstimulated. That's like turning off your phone an hour before bed. That's like sitting and staring at a wall. That's like, I love going outside for a walk in the woods, just no noise, so far away from cars, just me, the birds, the trees. Perfect. That's a form for me of getting sensory rest, going for a hike, walking in the woods. But it's different for everybody. So how's your sensory rest going? Again, no wrong answer, just a check-in. Let's move on to social rest. Okay. Now, let me say at the out front, for my introverts listening, you may not need social rest. 
Okay. But to those of us who are extroverts and those of us who are kind of in the middle of the introvert, extrovert spectrum, you need social rest. Social rest is what happens when you are around people who don't need anything from you. Social rest is about knowing yourself. Do you gain energy when you're around other people? Or do you feel drained after spending time with others? Understanding your own social battery, so to speak, can help you and me realize when we need to recharge. So I, maybe you've noticed, um, the world's biggest extrovert. Social interactions tend to help me recharge. They leave me buzzing and rejuvenated. I can literally feel the recharge in my veins after I have a great conversation with somebody. I was reminded of this recently after going out to dinner with two close friends. On paper, there was absolutely nothing restful about this weekend. We stayed out way too late, we drank too much, and I had a horrible night of sleep that evening. So nothing about it on paper was restful. However, that dinner gave me what I, as an extrovert, truly needed, and that is the social rest. I came away from that dinner with my two good friends so rejuvenated because I filled up my social battery. So social rest is a thing. How are you doing with your social rest? All right, we're moving on to emotional rest. It's type of rest number five. And to my introverts listening, you may not need social rest, but you still and do need emotional rest. We all need it. We need to have people in our lives where we feel able to speak our truth. We need people to listen when we say what's in our heart without making sure we have to say it perfectly, without making sure we're not offending anybody. We have to have somebody with whom we can share how we truly feel. Maybe that's a friend. Maybe that's a therapist. Maybe that's a parent. But even if you're an introvert and you don't need social rest, you still need a person or people in your life with whom you can be authentic. That's emotional rest. Emotional rest gives us that space to be our true selves. So how often does it happen? Somebody in your life asks how you're doing and you say good or fine. That is not emotional rest because that adds internal pressure on you to say what is socially acceptable. Emotional rest happens when you are given the space to be authentic and you can say, I'm actually feeling really irritable and frustrated because dun, dun, dun. This is a release. And this release allows your emotional circuit to rest and to rejuvenate and to replenish. Just like our social battery needs charging, so does our emotional battery. And so I say this to everybody. And I say this especially to my Enneagram 2s, my people pleasers. If you're a people pleaser, I want you specifically to hone in on the emotional rest piece because you likely need emotional rest most of all. Okay, we have two more types of rest to discuss. I'm not going to talk about either of them all that much, but let's just get through them. Type of rest that we all need, number six, according to Dr. Dalton Smith, is creative rest. Creative rest happens when you surround yourself with inspiration and beauty without having the pressure on you to do something with it, to create, right? So if you're a creator, Monday through Friday, maybe you're an artist, creative rest means taking the pressure off yourself to create 
on the weekends. If you're not a creator or an artist Monday through Friday, getting creative rest means giving yourself the opportunity to experience beauty. Maybe it's in nature. Maybe it's going to an art museum. Maybe it's cooking. Whatever creativity is for you, creative rest happens when you allow yourself the opportunity to be immersed in beauty without feeling the need to contribute to that beauty or create beauty. How's your creative rest going? And then finally, let's move on very quick to spiritual rest. Most major world religions have a day of rest, don't they? The Sabbath comes to mind. Spiritual rest is the need that every single one of us has to feel like our life has purpose and meaning. Spiritual rest means connecting on a deeper level with something greater than ourselves. This can mean prayer. This can mean meditation. This can mean honing in on the purpose of our lives. This can mean going to church on Sundays because then, hey, you're getting your social rest as well. You're hitting two birds with one stone if you go to church on the weekends. If church is not your thing, perhaps you're getting your spiritual rest by going on a nature retreat, a yoga retreat. Perhaps you're volunteering at an organization that speaks to your life purpose. Those are all forms of spiritual rest. And I must ask, how are you doing in the spiritual rest realm? So we're going to take our ad break. And then when we come back, we're going to get into the how. How do we take back our weekends? We'll do that after a quick sponsor break. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high-quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game-changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back. 
Before the break, we outlined the seven types of rest, and now we are on to the part of today's show where we are creating that roadmap for taking our weekends back. I want you to get the rest you need, especially the physical rest, if that's what you need, but I also want you to feel free to have weekends full of joy, wonder, exploration, curiosity, amazingness. That's what I want for you, and that's the roadmap that I hope to lay out for you in this part of today's conversation. So take a guess. It's quiz time, pop quiz. What are the two most common things people do on weekends? Take a guess. What do we do on the weekends? What do most of us do on the weekends? The two most common things people do on the weekends are shopping and chores. Neither shopping nor chores are all that restful or exciting, right? If you go back to work on Monday morning and at the water cooler, your coworkers say, what'd you do this weekend? We all want to have an epic thing to say, to report back, right? We want to say we, you know, went hang gliding and then had a picnic on a remote island and sipped rosé and watched the sunset. That's what we all want to say. We do not want to say we did chores and went shopping, (laughs) right? If we're doing chores and shopping and if we have children carting them around to activities, none of that is restful, first of all. And also none of that is epic, So how do we get the rest and rejuvenation out of our weekends that we not only need, but that we deserve? So I have four thoughts for you. Thought number one, I must say, does not come from me. It comes from author Katrina Onstad. She wrote a book all about the weekend effect. I'll link to it in the show notes if you want to dive deeper into this topic. But it's quite fascinating. It looks at the history of weekends, etc., Katrina says that step one to taking your weekends back is to focus on active recreation as opposed to passive recreation. So this is focusing on doing rather than watching, let's say. It's playing a family game, which is active, as opposed to watching a family movie, which is passive. It's reconnecting with a hobby, again, active, versus scrolling through your phone or playing a video game. Playing is active, but it's in front of a screen, so we're going to call that passive. Research finds that passive recreation, so sitting down watching a screen, let's say, passive recreation does feel good in the moment, but again, research finds that it does not actually rejuvenate. So one way to focus on active recreation during the weekends is to focus on your hobbies. Reconnect with your hobbies. Do people have hobbies anymore? (laughs) Reconnect with whatever makes your soul sing. Try to get into your flow state. When you're in your flow state, you come back to yourself. I'm going to say that again because, wow. When you get into your flow state, what you're really doing is you're reconnecting with yourself. A great example here is me and reading. If you follow me on Instagram, you notice that for the past, I don't know, year maybe, I've been posting the books I've read and I give them a rating and la la la. I do that because reading is a big hobby of mine. And I lost that hobby when I became a mother. I lost it. I was a vociferous reader up until I had children and then all my free time went away and I stopped reading. I have just reclaimed that part of my identity in the past few years. 
One day I actually literally woke up and I said, I used to love to read. Why don't I read anymore? So I picked up a book and it took me months to finish the book. But the point is I finished it. And then I read another and then another. And now I think I must say I'm back to my pre-children reading levels. I'm reading three books at once and I love it. So get in touch with your hobbies. Again, that would be active recreation, which again is tip one. Focus on active recreation rather than passive. Whatever it means to you, it might not be reading, okay? But whatever it is, do it. Now, another side benefit to focusing on active recreation as opposed to passive recreation is that you're likely also focusing on connections with other human beings. So my reading example does not fit here. But if your active recreation is virtually anything else other than reading, (laughs) you likely have the opportunity to do it with other people. Our happiness is intrinsically tied with our sense of belonging. So perhaps on your weekends, you are trying to see someone outside of your family. Perhaps you're getting that creative rest, but at the same time, perhaps you're getting more bang for your buck by also getting social rest. You're recharging your social battery. You're seeing people outside your family who don't need anything from you. Perhaps you're giving back to your community and you're volunteering. Perhaps you're checking off your social rest, so you're seeing people outside of your family, you're getting your spiritual rest, you're living your purpose, and you're getting that creative rest. So how can we compound different types of rest into one easy-to-manage package? It's easy. You focus on active rest as opposed to passive rest. So that's tip one for you. Let's move on to tip two, and this is one that I follow (laughs) to the letter, and that is to schedule in what I need. Actually schedule it. For many of us, Saturday is our catch-up day, right? Maybe it's just Saturday morning, but we all need a catch-up day. I know firsthand that chores have to happen to keep a household running, right? They just do, and... If I don't do the chores, let's be real, they're not going to get done. My my the rest of the family doesn't even know that these chores happen. They happen behind the scenes. That's another problem to tackle for another day. But for me, if I don't schedule in leisure, which by the way is ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous. But if I don't schedule in the type of rest I need, do if I don't write it down on my calendar, my to-do list, it just doesn't happen. Scheduling it is my way of making sure I get it. So I have some thoughts here. Number one is if you're drowning in chores, I hear you because again, chores need to get done to keep a household running. But be thoughtful leading up to the weekend. Is there any possibility at all in which you spread the chores out throughout the week so that you don't have to do five hours worth of laundry and vacuuming and I don't know, whatever else we do on the weekends, cleaning the bathrooms, et cetera, all on Saturdays? Can you spread them out? Can you delegate? If you have other people in your home, can they help out? Instead of sitting on their bums, like enjoying their weekends, can they help? Is it at all possible that you outsource? I mean, if you have privilege, can you outsource some of these chores to somebody else? And I say that knowing that for so many of us, no, there's no extra funds to go around and we can't outsource. But maybe 
you personally can. And then finally, can you just let some of it go? I'll be honest. I don't know if I can personally. Like, if I don't do the laundry and I go out and have an epic weekend and do lots of fun things, the laundry's still sitting there on Sunday night and it needs to get done, right? And so I'm just having to do it later. <laughs> but are there any chores on your chore list that you can just not do? You could skip a week. Laundry may not be one of them, but could you maybe not take the trash out? Could you maybe not vacuum the bedrooms? Like, is there anything you could maybe just let go? And I don't know if that's a possibility. For me, I'm like, even as I say it out loud, I'm kind of waffling on it, but maybe. And also to here know that some chores are enjoyable. And if you have chores that are restful, I say keep doing them. My example here is my meal prepping. I meal prep every Saturday morning. <laughs> I usually take about two hours, sometimes more, sometimes less. And I cook the week's dinners or at the very least, I prep the week's dinners. I blast my music. I sing and dance while I do it. Everybody in my house knows to stay out of the kitchen. I enjoy meal prepping, not only because I know it's making my next week easier, but also because it's me time. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy creating. I enjoy having everybody be quiet so I can listen to my music. And so for me, the meal prep is a form of sensory rest. I'm listening to my music. It's a form of mental rest because I'm on autopilot. I'm not thinking about all the things. I'm just cooking. I'm in my I'm in my flow when I cook. And so for me, that's a chore that I do on the weekends that I'm not giving up because I do find it to be restful. But if you have chores that aren't restful for you, aren't rejuvenating, Let's take a second look at them. And as we're talking about chores here, I'm reminded of Elizabeth Sharp McKetta's wisdom. She and I discussed editing our lives. I'll link to it in the show notes. However, Elizabeth said that she is her best self when she is out of the house. And so if we're talking about chores, I feel myself when I'm in the house, when I spend my weekends in the house, what am I looking at? I'm looking at all the things that need to get done, all the chores. And so maybe perhaps you too are your best self. You are your most carefree, your happiest, your most at peace self when you're not surrounded by the chores. So if it's possible, get yourself out of the house on the weekends. Schedule the rest you need so that the chores do not overtake your weekend, overtake your life. So if you're like, oh, I really need to see my friends, schedule it, put it on the calendar and make sure it happens. Because otherwise, if you're like me, the chores are just going to overtake the weekend and then it's going to be Sunday night. You have the Sunday blues and you're staring at the wall wondering where your weekend went. All right. Tip number three. Tip number three to taking back your weekends is to shop less. You knew I was going to say it, right? Back in the day, and I remember this from my childhood, so like mid-80s, I remember that stores were closed on Sundays. Restaurants were closed on Sundays, most restaurants, right? But not anymore. Everything's open on Sundays. There is no day of rest from spending money. Any guesses as to why? Obviously, it's so we can go out and shop and spend more money and keep the capitalist wheel a-turning. There is a connection between weekends and capitalism. When we're off, we have more time to shop, right? 
And indeed, many of us shop on the weekends. It's one of the two top things that we tend to do on the weekends. So let's revisit that work-spend hamster wheel for a minute, which I've covered before on the show. The work-spend hamster wheel happens when we work ourselves to death during the weeks. We are so exhausted. We plop down on the couch after a long day of killing it at all the things. We're bombarded with advertisements on our phones, on the TV to buy stuff. Oh, you're uh, you're tired, you're miserable, you're unhappy, you're overworked, you're not rested, you have a chronic rest deficit. Just buy something, it'll make you feel better. And so we buy something or many things, and then we in turn have to get up the next day and work even harder to make more money to pay for the things we just bought and the things we're going to buy that night. So jump off the work-spend hamster wheel on the weekends if you can. When you don't engage in consumption on the weekends, you're getting your time back because shopping takes time. Going to a store, even if you're doing it online, shopping takes time, right? Protect your time. On Thursday's episode where we're talking about creating a life of experiences, we're going to talk about time as being your most valuable, non-renewable resource. So if you're in the habit of shopping, going to the stores on the weekends, maybe you have errands to do. And if you have to buy stuff to keep your household running, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about shopping for leisure. Remember that stuff does not fill up that hole that so many of us, let's be real, so many of us have it inside, right? And stuff isn't filling it. It's not working. (laughs) So ask yourself, what will open up for you If you stop shopping on the weekend, what time and space will you create in your calendar if you hop off that capitalist wheel of shopping on Saturdays and Sundays? And finally, this conversation would not be complete if we don't move on to step number four, which is take a critical look at every single thing on your child's weekend schedule. Yep. We got to do it, parents. We have to. Kids are so overscheduled. <laughs> Schlepping them around eats up the entire family's weekend. Schlepping them around to all the things can also put unnecessary strain on the family unit. So we have to, parents, we have to be in the habit of regularly asking ourselves, not just once and forgetting about it. It's not just once and done. It's regularly asking ourselves. Is this the childhood we want our children to have? Now, there is no one-size-fits-all answer for the kids' scheduling conundrum. What works for me may not work for you. Some families need a slower pace. Other families thrive when their kids are occupied and busy. I hear that. My family definitely tends to fall toward the former, Relaxed is better for all of us. I try not to schedule activities on the weekends so that we as a unit have space in our schedule for adventure. It is hard to adventure between soccer games and lacrosse practice and math lessons, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's no time for adventure. (laughs) So I found personally, again, what works for me may not work for you, but I have found that when the weekends are open-ended, My children, my daughters, they have more time to tinker, let's say. They have more time for unstructured play in which they get to get really creative. (laughs) They have that time to let their minds wander. 
They get to follow their creativity, I guess is the best way to put it. And that's important to me. And I notice that they thrive when they get to follow their creativity. The other big benefit to having fewer activities, kids' activities on the weekends that I have experienced is that my husband and I, we are less frazzled. (laughs) When we're rushing our kids from activity to activity, we are also sacrificing our weekends because the weekend is for us too. It's not only for the kids. And so I do think that in my home, calmer parents mean calmer kids. And I'll mention too here that this fall, my fourth grader, she's nine, she decided not to play fall soccer after five years of playing soccer. She just wasn't enjoying it all that much. What she enjoyed about soccer was seeing her friends, not about the competition, not about the sport. It was the social aspect. And so she decided soccer wasn't for her. And as a parent, I felt sad that she was giving up on an activity that we put five years into. But I did also, if I'm being honest, observe that She's never going to be a soccer star. So perhaps it's better to bow out sooner rather than later. And bowing out of this travel soccer league means that my husband and I, we no longer have to cart my daughter around the eastern seaboard to soccer games on Saturday mornings. The soccer season is admittedly still young, but already this household is feeling the benefits It's almost as though a weight has been lifted. Like our Saturday mornings, three to four hours every Saturday mornings was spent on one child's soccer endeavors. That's a big chunk of the weekend. And so I say all this to say, of course, different strokes for different folks. But if you're unsure whether your kids' activities are working for your family unit, you've got to ask yourself. You've got to. You've got to ask yourself whether... You're doing all the weekend activities for your kids because your kids enjoy them or whether you're doing it all because all the other families are doing it and you've never really thought about it. You've just been doing what everybody else has been doing. The former is intentional living 101. The latter is unintentional living. And I've got to say it, everybody, I've got to right? I've got to just lay bare, bring this full circle. If we are discussing today how we can get the most rejuvenation and much needed and much deserved rest out of our weekends, we then as parents must also have to ask ourselves whether we, as the parent, are giving our children the rejuvenation that they also need out of their weekends. Because remember, it's their weekends too. And as parents, We know what they need and deserve. They may not. They may not have the maturity to know what they need out of their weekends, but we do. So we need to be asking ourselves, is running around from activity to activity to game to lesson to this to that to all the things to birthday party to play date, is this giving our child the rest and rejuvenation that they also deserve out of their weekend. So ask yourself, why are we doing all the things? Ask yourself, really wait for the truth, the real answer to come through, and then get intentional. If you're doing all the things because your kids love them and enjoy them, and your family's doing fine, (laughs) you're not frazzled, your kids love it, you love it, then keep doing it. But if when you sit with that question, you come to some uncomfortable truths, have the grit, have the guts, 
to make some changes if what you're doing is not working. My final word for you today is that weekends are precious, (laughs) y'all. Treat them as such. Take pride and joy in epic weekend experiences and also take pride and joy in doing nothing. So I want you all to get in the habit, please, and I'll be doing it with you, of asking yourselves, what type of rest are you needing? What do you need? Then give it to yourself because you deserve it. So we will be back on Thursday where I'm interviewing two authors about their new book all about how to create a life that is rich in experiences. We're taught here in the USA that wealth has everything to do with how much money is in your bank account. My guests on Thursday say, "Eh, eh, eh, wait a minute, wealth has everything to do with how much living you've extracted from however much time you have on earth. We're going to talk about all of that on Thursday. I will see you then as always. You know, reach out if you need me, say hi. See you Thursday.